Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Recorded live. Well, again, tonight we're going to be talking about the lies of our culture that we grew up in from children all the way to our adulthood. And I think it's going to be profitable for us to really assess and analyze uh, what has happened to each of us. And um, I'll kind of start, and I'll try to make mine brief, and then I'm going to just kind of stay in an order. I'm going to go to Chris and let him share, and then I, I'm i going to go to Walt uh, and let him share, and then we'll go to... Um, uh, I think um, uh, Kevin and then John and then um, whoever else is on the call that I'm missing. Dave. Andrew. Dave. Andrew. Dave. Dave. Yeah, Dave Baxter. Dave's a new kid on the block, uh, and uh, we're glad we're glad to have him. Uh, like I said, so uh, I just in a nutshell, I've just been kind of amazed because as a child, I. I, you know, I can remember having a globe at a very young age uh, in our home and how that was always presented to me as factual. And I also remember um, that we went to a place in Kansas City called the Greater Kansas City Museum, and they have a... um, Oh, what do they call it, Dave, when you have a um, – I forget what they call it, but where they have the, all the stars outlined, uh, in a, and it's in this sphere, and, it, and they darken the room. And you look up, and it's – I forget. They have a name for it, but it's, it's the constellations and all of that, and it, it's got the Big Dipper, and it shows all the planets and all of that. And uh, – you know that's the way it was a very young age, and then of course, the first church I went to was a church called Church of God Holiness, which was totally Arminianism and works, and I can remember a lot of emotionalism around that. And then of course, um, I remember my uh, asking my mom about what's the difference in what you believe in the Catholics, and she said, "Oh, they're just." a little different than we are, you know, it wasn't anything major. And then I remember in front of the church, they had an artist do a thing on the rapture, and it showed all these people being raptured up to Jesus and, uh, you know, a secret rapture and all that. And then uh, we've already talked about Zionism and the state of the of Israel and all that, but... The other thing was that I remember from a very young age and talking about the fact that we were going to be raptured out of the tribulation, that we wouldn't have to go through any tribulation, and we were going to be rescued out of it. And then I also remember, you know, as I got into high school, the thing on education, 
everything was pro-education. Uh, my father was not pro-education. My father was a plumber, but uh, every everyone that I was around was, you got to go to college. You, you, you're not going to be able to get a good job if you don't go to college. And they're really pushing that. They're always, always uh, talking about uh, as I got older, I saw a lot with creeds and confessions and synods and sessions in churches and church membership. And you can't become a member of a church if you aren't baptized and all this stuff. And and then the tolerance doctrine came into the Everything was pro-tolerance and just love everybody and the globalism and and then there came a time, remember, even just in the last 20, 30 years, the thing on free trade. Well, we know that that was really a, a sellout. And that's just uh, – and like like um, uh, Toronto West said, you know, the list is just too long of all the lies. We, we It's an inexhaustive list. But that's kind of my short list. Um, Chris, now it's your turn to kind of give your – uh, little thoughts on your child as you were brought up and and even into your high school years and adult years what what were the most significant lies in the culture that you grew up in Chris you're on <laughs> oh I'm sorry I, I stepped away uh, uh, most significant things in, in my lifetime yes yes as far as the lies in your culture that you grew up with well, I think uh, on the outside, I was nine years old when uh, they told us that our president was murdered. Uh, good grief. That's, it goes back farther, but that was a big highlight in uh, everybody's life. Everybody n- knows where they were the day Kennedy was shot, Kennedy being the last nah, uh, fair to Midland president we've had and every president after that has been part of the cabal that is that want to kill this country and take it down systematically but uh, that was a big epic event uh being raised catholic i'm believe me i am in no wise an apologist for the catholic the romish <laughs> church at all uh being uh, uh indoctrinated into that at an early age you know, as a great lie, you know, put upon us uh, by Satan, and and this is before we even knew who really ran the show. You know, uh, by the way, Walter, thank you for sending out that protocols. I've read it before, but I don't have a copy now. I do. Thanks, brother. Uh, there's just so much here to deal with that it can be overwhelming unless you're in Christ. You can somewhat handle it, but it can be a it can be a distressful thing to the unindoctrinated, you know, that you know, or, 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 or understanding if God hasn't given you understanding and you have an inkling of what's happening, you can be just overwhelmed by the state of affairs. It's a really good point, and like Chris and I were talking earlier today, you know, one of the reasons I want to talk about the lies is be- so that we can get around to the truth, you know, uh, because until we, you know, we we often we can we can compare and contrast um, the truth and see 
I like, I love the talk shoe title of Walt's program, Hour of Discernment. That's what we need is discernment. Walt, uh, you're 73, going on 73 years old. Uh, as you were growing up as a child and even into your adulthood, uh, when did you start perceiving that there was a lot of things in our culture that just were not quite right, that were just fabricated? <clears throat> well, um, that's a big that's a big question, and it really it really makes you think. Uh, you yeah. know, uh, I, you know, from uh, I, I find this uh, when I talk to other brothers and sisters in Christ is uh, is a child of God. It's got a lot of questions. And you know, I I I guess I I question things. I I questioned the Vietnam War, you know, uh, and uh, and you know, uh, and, and it it's uh, uh, and here lately I have to expound on what uh, Chris, Christopher said. It's uh, you know, you really have to you know you know the the more that I've more the bigger the lies have been getting. The, the more I, the bigger Christ becomes in my life. Because mm. uh, that's the only thing, you know, the, the, some of the material, you know, give me an example, I'm not going to go there, but to, to understand, you know, the term Christian, Christian Zionism. Well, you know, that's a, you know, the average person doesn't, doesn't even know what a Zionist is, you know, but yet it's being thrown around uh, by top uh, or top of our leaders like Joe Biden. Joe Biden has said, you know, he's his quote is, uh, he said, uh, he said, I'm a Zionist. You don't have to be a Jew to be a Zionist, you know. And so, in other words, the, what I'm I'm not going to go there. We're not going to, but because it's, in other words, it's such a big Zionism is real. It's 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 an agenda. And uh, I guess, uh, you know, the first time, you know, the, I, I, I guess it's, you know, I, I, if I, I would have to say that, the, you know, the, when I started listening to the Bible, when I was out on the truck, you know, the more I listened to the gospel, the more questions I had about, you know, like Freemasonry, what was Freemasonry, you know, and then, you know, and uh, I and I, I think the big one, the big one to me is heliocentric. And how did I get introduced to it? Is I was back in about 1996, and I was out on the truck, you know, bouncing down an, an interstate, and I heard a lecture from Stuart Crane. Stuart Crane didn't, didn't use the term heliocentric or geocentric, but he used he used there's two theories. And, uh, you know, and uh, another thing that, that, that you mentioned that uh, John, John mentioned of Toronto, you know, uh, I mean, you almost can say that, you know, when you turn on the news, you know, the, you know, Donald Trump is saying, is, is talking about fake news, you know, it's all fake news. 
I mean, it, when, <laughs> when you stop and think what's going on, especially when you, and because here lately, give me an example. I'm I'm just t- one of the other things is here. Just only recently do I understand the starting of World War One. And if you don't understand mm. World War One, you're not going to understand World War Two, and all the wars we've had since. Mm. And so, uh, you know, that it's it's a you know that it's a, it's a uh, and and so heliocentric. Uh, you know, I had I had to keep. I realized it was just a theory, and I kept it underneath me. You know, until I got mm-hmm. a hold of a book called. The Earth is Not Moving by Marshall Hall. And then I met Carol, Carol and Craig. Out in, and, you know, Carol, just at a, at a dinner, she just hit me. She said, Walt, do you believe the Bible? And I said, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, she said, do you believe that the Earth is flat? And I, I, give, I give the old standby everybody got i mentioned you know i believe it's uh, isaiah forty twenty two about the circle right and uh, you know and she you know and she informed me that a circle is not a ball and she kicked a plastic ball through her kitchen <laughs> and uh, uh 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 and so in it's so through the years you know before before this all this flat earth thing started you know you know you know this was this was 12 years ago and Carol is Carol has come to this conclusion not by an internet connection, not by watching a YouTube channel. She came to the conclusion that the Earth was flat solely upon the Word of God. So I, I and and she would look at me and she would say, uh, uh, "I know you don't believe me." You know, and I'd say, "Well, <laughs> Carol, I, I've I've got to listen." And in the, in the, the, I mean, you know, it wasn't that I was, you know, but as time has come on, and and like Christopher mentioned, uh, the assassination of President Kennedy, and then all these lies uh, about nine eleven. I mean, there's so much of it. But the granddaddy of them all is the is the lie of heliocentric, because that replaces creation. It actually, you know, I've, I forget the name of the philosopher, but he's quoted as saying, "We have killed God." And uh, so, so and and what? No, he was a uh, he was a uh, no. This was way back in uh, uh, Nietzsche, maybe. No, Nietzsche, Nietzsche, yeah, that yeah, was it. yeah, Nietzsche, yeah. You know, so any, anyway, that that was the. Uh, you know that that was that was my uh, and and another one other thing is it's then I met Dave. Now this is twelve years ago. You know Dave Baxter, who's on the call now. He uh, you know uh, he used to you know I'd get on a phone call and pretty soon he'd gravitate to evolution. You know you know and of course I mean I used to have honeybees and uh, I had never been hit. See, I mean I I've never questioned creation. I mean you know. But, you know, you said earlier, Larry, uh, there was a period in the same period when I went through high school that if you didn't go to college, you were going to be a failure. You know, yeah. so 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 evolution. And it took it took about 10 years 
I mean, I, I never did uh, argue with it with um, Dave, but as the years have passed, I see the impo- what happened and why it was so important, especially when I meet people that are completely indoctrinated in evolution and they believe it as a religion. Right. So anyway, right. That, that's that. That's my uh, you know. And and now and now it's like Christopher said, you know, it's kind of it's kind of overwhelming and, and if and if you if you're not anchored in the word of god because yeah because the because the gospel the gospel you know you know christ's ministry and you know i mean you know when people deny christ this is so simple when 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 christ is denied they deny creation yes. automatically see and that's that's and that's where we are in today's education so that's that's then that's that's my uh my uh experience well sh- well that's a that's a really in uh interesting um you know account because of the fact that you know one uh isn't amazing how god uses certain people he brings into our life like he used carol in your life he brought a farmer into my life, and um, now we're going to go on over to Kevin. Kevin, why don't you share, uh, as you were growing up in grade school and high school and on into adulthood, uh, what you uh, sensed as far as what you were being taught and what was you know, into question the validity of what you were taught. Yeah. Uh, well, there's a verse that says our fathers have inherited lies, and that that really struck me when I read that when I was mm. 36 years old when I read the mm. scriptures for the first time in my life. But the biggest lie that I, that I recall is being raised in the Roman Catholic Church. Now, mm. now when I say that I was raised in the in the Catholic Church, that's an understatement because we were really, really into it. My father was an editor of a Catholic newspaper in Cleveland, Ohio. Wow. Wow. We had we had heavyweights in the church as friends of our family, authors, bishops. You might remember Bishop Sheen, Father Pink. Oh, we know. The one that said the family that prays together stays together. These oh, people yeah. were in our house. We said the rosary beads every night. Oh, and, my um, goodness. My, my are you brother saying, are you I, saying it? Kevin, I huh? got to interrupt you. Are you saying Bishop Sheen was in your house? Yeah, yeah, and Father wow. Peyton, Father Peyton blessed the house. Yeah, my mother and father wow. were really into it. My dad didn't want to be into it so much, but his mother really pushed him into it. Yeah, and uh, that's amazing. I can remember. Uh, yeah. Excuse me for interjecting, but I can remember. You know, uh, even in as a young married man. Watching uh-huh. Bishop Sheen with Robert Schuler, you know. Oh, okay, yeah. My mom used to watch him. <laughs> that was one of the few TV programs on in the fifties. Yes. <laughs> right. That's right. But but so much was expected of my brother and I that we were going to be altar boys, and and we were. And then then I wasn't smart enough to be a priest. My brother was supposed to be the priest, and I was going to be a brother. So I went to a novitiate for a while just to see. 
And I just couldn't take it seriously, the, the silence and the walking around with your hands clasped and all that. And I, and I just thought, that's not for me. I just can't do it. So I got away from it. Um, when I left home at about 19 or 20, I got away from going to church. And then when I joined the Army for three years, every Sunday we could sleep in so I didn't have to go to Mass. I didn't have to get up. <laughs> so so I stopped. I just stopped the church altogether, you know, and I began to just enjoy the world and seek the pleasure of whatever drove me from right. moment to moment. And um, and then I, I ended up uh, fixing myself on a uh, Middle Eastern woman, uh, an Iranian, that I wanted to marry. I, I was so naive. I had no idea what I was doing, you know, but yeah. And uh, so I hitchhiked to the Middle East after I got an overseas discharge in 67. And I married her, but she ended up wow. pregnant by one of her own men. And she wouldn't marry a Muslim man because she was raised in London, England. And she wouldn't have one of her own men lord over her, you know, in the Islamic uh -huh. religion that would be required. So so she ended up picking me as a scapegoat. Uh, mechanism to get out of the country and have her baby in the States. And, and so she didn't know if she wanted to keep it or not. And I said, okay, well you decide and, and we'll see what we're going to do. So she looked at the baby in the hospital and the baby looked at her and they both decided they were going to keep each other. <laughs> and it, was, it was a cute story. So I became a, a father or, you know, a stepfather to him. He yeah. has my name and he's all Persian. But thanks be to God, he's a Christian today. That, that's really beautiful. Oh, that's good news, yeah. Yeah, he and I got water baptized the same day. When I got saved, he, he saw the change in me, and he got really scared. He thought maybe Dad is onto something that I'm supposed to listen to and take heed oh. to. Yeah, he, and, I, and I took him out of the public school system and put him in a Christian high school. And he was doing fine until the junior year, but he had so much of the world in him because he was he was saved at 13. That's when I felt his conversion. And uh, but he was tempting the kids and they put him out and he had to graduate with the public school kids. And that was a real shock to him. And wow. uh, his friend, his friends today, he's 45 years old. His friends today are, are the Christian kids he went to that school with uh, Maranatha and Sierra Madre. So I, I thank, oh, wow. I, yeah, I thank God for that. Yeah. It's, uh, so, so anyway, but the thing about the Catholic Church, so, so I got away from the church and I was in the world. I got married, and then for 20 years I lived with this Iranian wife with her wealthy family, and I was isolated from political considerations in this country, even though I lived here. I was completely immersed in that family and their money and whatever they wanted to do. And I was a yes man and I was a front for her and she could bring her relatives over on green cards and it all worked out nicely for her. She became an American citizen uh, upon marrying me. Her son was an American. Um, we used each other and as long as usury was in place, it worked out great. <laughs> but, 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 but then in, but then in 1979, I began to question my life and question things. I, I was becoming aware that there's talk about Jesus out there on Hollywood Boulevard, the Jesus people. And then I noticed all the churches and I, and I went to a couple of the services to listen to what was going on. And it was all really exciting. Um, it, 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 it's in my mind, it, it, 
it felt that it was a, another form of sin, which I wasn't too aware of sin or not, but, but I knew that the world had its enticements, and I could see the church had its enticements of the flesh. And um, mm. that's when I found this little book by Ellen G. White. You remember, she wrote The, uh, the Desire of the Ages, among many yeah. other books, the yeah. founder of the Seventh-day Adventist Church. I read that book, and it described about Jesus. She's talking about Jesus from the Gospels, and, and I get very curious about Jesus now. I, I'm beginning to think that maybe he is what he says he is. <laughs> He's coming back, <laughs> and there is a judgment day. So I'm getting really serious. So what I do is I go to the Lighthouse Christian Bookstore in Pasadena. I bought a Bible, the New American Standard, and I started reading it from Genesis. And I, it took me three months to complete it because I was working at the same time. And when I finished reading it, I understood that this is not something you can just close and go about your business. If, it, if it's real, if Jesus is Lord God Jehovah of the Old Testament, which he claims to be, then I don't have to imagine who that supreme being out there is. I have a name for him. His name is Jesus Christ. <laughs> and that took my wow. breath away. It took my breath away from me. And I've never been the same since. And I just... Jesus said the Father would give the gift of the Holy Spirit to those who ask for it. I asked for it. I know when I got it. And it's just incredible ever since. Ever since. Isn't that something? That's it really something. is. The light. Now, when I first got saved, I asked the Lord, what is it about the Catholic Church? I wanted to know from church history what they were all about. And I was trying to help my father and explain to him. He said to me, in my very early days, he said, Kev, you sound like a Calvinist. And I, I didn't even know I didn't I didn't even know what Calvinism was at that time. Did that I wish I, I wish I could resurrect him and, and ask him what he meant by that. <laughs> I love I love to know what he knew about it, you know. But uh -huh. and and so so then after I understood the Catholic Church and, and it's really paganism, Judaism, and Christianity all mixed together, mixed up together. Uh -huh. It's all confusion uh -huh. and. So then I asked him about the Protestant denominations, the Baptist, the Lutheran, the Presbyterian, the Methodist, the Episcopalian. They all had their roots, their founding fathers were in Europe, and they all agreed basically in a Calvinistic form of, of belief. Right, right, right. And then they split up over the years. They've all split, and they've split, and they've split. And, and here we are today with storefront churches. They don't know what they believe. You know, <laughs> right. it, it's, so, it's so bad, it's incredible. But the, but that wow. was the lie that the lie that I found, and then then oh about maybe five or ten years after that, somebody gave me the book by Arthur Pink, The Sovereignty of God, mm. and that that put the whole system together for me. I could I understood yeah. scriptures that spoke of election, but I didn't see the pattern of it and how it was supported in other scriptures. In, in Pink's book, he explained it very well, and and I it just. It was fantastic. I thank God for it because, like I say, I've never been the same since. When the, when the light is on, well, you know, it's on. Yeah. That's a, a a fantastic story. I'm sure glad that you well, shared that with me. I feel like I know you. I mean, I've known. We've corresponded for years, you know, via yes, Sermon yeah. Audio. And, 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 but I feel right, like right. I know you a lot better I really appreciate you opening yeah. up on that. I, well, well, I, I had no idea that, that your parents were that, you know, steeped in, in the Roman 
Church is not. Yeah, yeah. My mother used to say no. no, I mean, to have Peyton and Bishop in your home. I mean, be. uh, Oh yeah. Bishop and 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 authors too. And they had Bible studies and they had conversions. They were drinking beer and having parties at night. And then late at night, when they're all halfway crocked, they'd get somebody to come forward and say he wants to be a Catholic. (laughs) (laughs) Man, it was just incredible. I mean. It, yeah, it was, and I and I just thank God for letting me see see that because when I read the scriptures, I saw that it says, "Call no man father." Well, I've been calling the priest father for years, you know, yeah. and the Pope is Papa, you know. So I so yeah. I realized that he's nobody. He really is nobody. Wow, that's quite yeah. a story. That's quite yeah. a story. Well, listen, well, Chris. Uh, Chris had his eyes open in the same way. I mean, he's yeah, he did. And, and now I'm going to move on to John, um, John from Toronto. And uh, John, you you had quite an interesting summary of all of these lies. But why don't you just you know share a little bit of your personal thing? Kind of like I think it's valuable to get to know each other a little bit better. Kind of like Kevin did about uh, your early life, and then you know, through high school and on into adulthood and what you, how you kind of came to the reality of the truth. Well, I was born a, uh, I was born into Catholicism mm. and, um, you know, I went through the, all the sacraments and everything, uh, ending at confirmation. And, uh, what happened after that is I didn't go to church much. You know, I was what they call a non-practicing Catholic. Which are supposed to be the which are supposed to be the two uh, biggest groups of Christianity. They're both Catholic. One is practicing, one is non-practicing. The main difference is whether you go to church on Sunday or not. So, you know, <laughs> yeah. uh, pretty much the first 13 years, you know, uh, grade six, uh, you go through the whole thing. You know, the first communion when you're seven years old. Uh, it, there's an optional second communion. It's not per se a sacrifice, but it's called the solemn or second communion. That's optional. So first communion, seven years old, uh, second communion, 11 years old, and finally now, confirmation the, when you're 13 years old. Yeah, John, what's the, now help me out because I'd never, ever heard this before. What is the difference between the first and the second communion? Uh, you got me there. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it, it just shows you, it just shows you that, um, you know, you go through it, uh, in a sort of mindless way because you're expected to, and, uh, you never well, get explained why you're doing it or what you're doing it for. I mean, uh, I, I even skipped the first two, uh, sacraments with all this. Uh, the first one was, was, uh, child baptism. Mm. I would say with, I would say, uh, I was born in September. I was baptized in October, so about a month or so, uh, child baptism. Then, of course, for First Communion, when you're seven years old, the first thing you have to do is confession before you can actually take what they call the host, that wafer, or sometimes Walt calls it the cookie, the, right. the First Communion. Uh, you, have to co- you have to confess yourself before you do First Communion at seven years old. Um, optionally, you can do Second Communion, and, of course, you know, uh, your parents or your your priest or your school teacher, if you go to a Catholic school, will pressure you. Eleven years old, second communion. Sometimes it's called solemn solemn communion. Amen. Oh. Solemn communion, second communion, and uh, confirmation. Finally, you know they make you buy a Bible. Uh, the edition. I still have it here just for a souvenir. Uh, Good news Bible. <laughs> it's uh, yeah. today's 
I believe it's called Today's English Version. Yeah, that's what it is. I was just looking back at the bookshelf. Um, if you try, if you try to, um, if you try to read the Daniel's seventy-week prophecy on that Bible, you'll probably think that Jesus Christ, um, you know, had his first coming in the first forty-nine years of the prophecy. So, you know, uh, that that doesn't get you uh, very much uh, ahead. You know, uh, the KJV yeah. was really a blessing. Uh, of course, there's marriage. You know, uh, later on, I got married. They call it uh, holy matrimony. Uh, matra meaning mother, instead of just calling it a wedding or, or um, whatever else you would call a wedding, uh, they call it matrimony, like either mother or, or uh, hinting at Mary. Uh, the other two sacraments are holy orders and anointing of the sick. Sometimes anointing of the sick is called, I think, extreme unction. I believe wow. that's the equivalent. Um, that's when you're on your deathbed, you know, uh, the priest will uh, do some prayers before you, you know, you're expected to croak, I guess. Uh, uh, Holy Orders is the only one that most people don't do, of course, which is the, the priesthood, the priesthood with seminary. So you have seven command, you have seven uh, sacraments and an optional one, which is the second communion. Uh, and you, you would do all seven plus the, uh, sorry, all six. Uh, plus optionally the second communion and of course holy orders would be uh, for priests um you said you wanted me to continue past um like past 12 13 years old is, is that what you meant before when you asked yeah yeah you had mentioned that you'd gotten to a point where you no longer you know you just you didn't attend church you were no longer practicing um i would go yeah. I would go occasionally, you know, sometimes you have an inspiration to go, but, uh, you know, um, there, there's sometimes, um, you know, uh, you hear things from people and uh, you, you, sometimes you hear comments like this. Uh, when I went, let's say even you're in school, Catholic school, high school, uh, people say, it made, it, when I went to church, when I left the church, when I left the mass, I, I felt good about myself. So you start, you know, that gets into your head. And you start saying the same thing eventually, like when you go to Mass once in a while, oh, I felt good about myself, maybe I should go next week again. I mean, it's just things that you put in your head, you know, the the preconceptions yeah, yeah. that sometimes we have. And, uh, you know, um, do you want me to go further into my life? or, I would be kind of interested when, when it was that you were first introduced to the doctrines of grace and and your and your response to its first introduction well the first time the first time that i was introduced uh, to the kjv was through my wife that was back when we got married in uh, 2001 so okay. we're going all the way here from 1968 to uh, 2001 you know <laughs> right, so right uh, that was the first exposure that I had. You know, of course, I had the Good News Bible, which I never opened. That other than when I was studying for confirmation, they made you buy one. But uh, going, you know, going onward about 30 years, you know, uh, in 2001, I believe, I believe I was uh, 32 years old. I was 32 years old when I got uh, married, and that's when my wife introduced uh, that Bible to me. I mean, I knew what Protestantism was. And I had heard of uh, Martin Luther and the Reformation and uh, that he wrote the German Bible. But that's really all about right. pretty right. much all I knew about the Reformation, other than the fact that they don't go to church every Sunday. 
that's what I was told that they don't the the um, <laughs> Protestant church doesn't go to Sunday, the mass every Sunday. Um, you know, uh, do you want me to keep going or like you asked about grace, right? Yeah. Yeah. The, um, I mean, I, I would read the Bible. I mean, I, I believed what I was reading. You know, um, I, I I I believe in God. I believe in Jesus Christ. Um, I, I would read the Bible. I believe. I mean, um, in terms of grace, you know, um, the first exposure I had to it was through TV, and uh, mm-hmm. of course, you know, uh, make a decision for Christ. You know, uh, right. Uh, right. You know, it's it's Armenianism. I mean, uh, yeah. yeah. At that time, if at that time, if somebody asked me, uh, "Are you born again?" I wouldn't even know what they're talking about. You know, are you born again? I mean, some people seem to know on what exact date uh you know Christ <laughs> yeah, right. uh anointed them, you know, but uh you know, I never really defined it that way, you know. Uh basically uh you believe in Christ and uh, you believe in God. Uh in terms of grace, um you know, I heard about grace, uh that it's not by works, it's by grace, but you know, uh at the same time that they would say, make a decision for Christ and let's have this prayer and I believe you've been saved. Uh, of course, about a year ago, at um, the beginning of 2016, when I heard you and Walt on the show, um, you know, I learned about Armenianism. I had no idea what Armenianism was. Yeah. And, um, you know, uh, even election, election predestination, uh, uh, sovereign Grace, uh, I believe I learned about that a, a year ago, maybe a little bit after you guys talked about Armenianism. Wow. So that's wow. pretty much been my uh, my path, you know. Uh, uh, my my uh, wife is uh, Christian, I, I, I'm Christian, you know. Um, I don't know anybody else that's a Christian. Uh, personally, I don't know anybody else that's a Christian. The only person, the only, the only person that I, uh, that I knew that uh, was a Christian, was a 90-year-old man that uh, died uh, earlier this January. But um, other than my wife and that uh, gentleman, um, I don't know any Christians personally. Uh, you know, the whole family is, um, I believe, all Catholic. Um, all the friends I've ever had are Catholic. You know, it's... Uh, well, that's, that's quite a story, yeah. you know. I mean, when yeah. you were talking, I was just thinking about the absolute mercy that God has shown you to, um, you know, yourself, as well as Chris, as well as Kevin, uh, all of us, every one of us on this call, you know, we don't fit into the mold, as, as it were. In other words, we we have... God has put questions in our minds regarding the validity of what we've been taught. And so we find ourselves on the outside rather than on the inside of where we were originally put. Now, I want to, uh, and I appreciate you sharing that. That's really um, quite a uh, quite a story. Now, Can I, I just wanna... add one more thing? Yes, go ahead, John. Yeah. I mean, you hear about grace and you see election, predestination in the Bible, but you don't, you know, it's almost like it's not there. Like you, you read it and you read it a thousand times and uh, <laughs> unless somebody else mentions it later, then you go back and you recognize that, you know, that's, that's something we have a habit of doing. And, uh, you know, it's, 
I just, I guess God reveals it to you when he wants to reveal it to you. Well, that is exactly right. It, it is a revelation. You know, I was, it's so amazing because Chris was 37, I think, I think I heard Kevin say like 36, I was 37, you were 30, I think 30, you know, 1, 32. It's a, many of us, it was later on in our adult life when we started really questioning how, what were we taught and what do we believe? And then we had, a, we began to get an interest in the Bible and and everything. And um, I, I want to welcome guest six. I don't know who you are, but I want to welcome you on board. Now, I want to go to Dave Baxter. Um, Dave has got a really interesting uh, life. You know, he's um, really interesting, I think, with his kind of his sort of a, um, a medical linkage because of his laboratory experience and everything. And and he, he likes to read and everything, but I'd be, and I don't think I've ever had to ask Dave this question, but Dave, the same way, how was it that you um, began to start questioning these things and and you you started trying to validate truth? How would, how would you describe that as you grew up and in, in, into adulthood? Well, listening to the stories that are being told, I had an experience that you might say was the opposite. Uh, when I was a kid in kindergarten, that's all that I went to public school. And by the time I got into first grade, uh, I was called to the principal's office. And uh, he got very angry and he shook me back and forth really hard <laughs> home school. Well, my parents thought that, you know, I had done something wrong. And the problem is I hadn't. And so this actually happened like two or three times. And he shook me so hard one time, shaking me back and forth in a chair that I bit my lip and bled. And my parents finally put it together. I mean, this was a very well-respected principal that was calling me out of class down there. And he was actually accusing me of things that my brother, who is 10 years my senior, had done. And of course, you know, oh. my parents are looking at this going, well, what are you going to do? Because he was, he hadn't done this to any other kid in school or after me. I was the only one. So my parents uh, pulled me out of public school and sent me to a private Christian school. Huh. Uh, up, up until grade 10 or so. You know, so from first one through ten, I had a, a Christian, non-denominational uh, education, and that's where I see it is, is different. Is that even from then, uh, power of God was working in my life because it, it gave me the background that as I progressed through my life. I mean, it's amazing certain things that pop into your mind as I was coming up because then I went to a secular high school. Okay, and of course, that's when they they start off because of our educational system. You are actually entering into an indoctrination. And it was was the opposite of my 10 years. Wow. In the private Christian school. And then, of course, you know, you you hit the university. I hit the university because... 
you know, I wanted to make more money. It was greed. Right. Uh, and that's when the attack really started. And it's amazing how, you know, when it happened at the time, certain just simple little verses would, would popped into my head. You know, blessed are they that keep the word of, or blessed are they that hear the word of God and keep it. <laughs> so, you know, they were they were attacking God, and I could see it. Yeah. So I, I remembered that verse, and so they started teaching, you know, right off the bat, they attack evolution, which, uh, or attack creation, mm-hmm. and it even to the point that it had me consider the gap theory. You know, that it wasn't actually yeah. literal days; that it was million years. That was just God's way of creating it. So I read Genesis and saw that it was the morning and the evening, and it was like real clear that God was talking about a literal 24-hour period, a day. And, you know, at that point, you know, because of my background, who do I believe, man or God? It wasn't, you know, hard at all. I believe God. And through my life, it was a series of these types of events that would happen that I would fall back on like evolution that popped into my head, you know, as I'm sitting there. And of course, you know, being young and dumb, you dispute. I disputed a couple of times with a professor, not knowing any better because you don't want to do that. They hold your entire future in their hands and they can make a break in a heartbeat. Okay. They are the high priest. Yeah, you know, today I know that they're teaching the Kabbalic religion, Kabbalic science. Uh, but prove all things, hold fast that which is good, popped into my head because they were trying to take it away from me, and that came into my head. And I said, "Well, I'm just not going to let them take it away from me." So I, I don't know if this is really answering your your question, but I no, believe this that is, is this is great. This is fantastic. You're, just keep going, please. <laughs> keep going. So you all these. You, so in other words, you realize that you're in an environment that is in contradistinction to the Bible, and they're trying to really mind control you away from the Word of God. But yet, this small this voice your conscience is telling you otherwise and uh scripture would come into mind which is yeah. in my mind from hearing it you know throughout my my childhood certain verses would just come to mind and it it would i knew what to do and it's yeah. not like i sat down and thought of that verse the verse would just come into my mind and it would would tell me the correct direction to go and i remember I was going into the biological sciences, and I started studying uh, biological life, and I started looking at amino acids real quickly, not to make anybody's eyes glaze over, but uh, in the world, if it's not alive, it has a 50-50% of right and left-handed amino acids. All things that are alive, like you, are made up exclusively of left-handed amino acids. And I'm going, well, how does that work with evolution? Because, you, you know, out here they're saying that life spontaneously uh, emerged. And I go, well, how can you get all left-handed amino acids in all living things, including <laughs> plants, animals, everything, out of a 50-50 percentile concentration out of the, the earth, the dust? And I go, that doesn't make sense. That's going to take an interaction of some intelligence. 
So that was like, you know, the real obvious thing that I saw. And of course, then when you look a little bit further, you know, there's about, I think today there's like 20 amino acids. We found a couple of new ones and these have to fold and they have to go into exactly the right shape and be assembled in exactly the right order up to like there's one protein in our body that's 30,000 amino acids wrong and it has to all be in the right place, all in the right shape, all put together at the right time to form these proteins. Okay, you know, so and they're big. And these proteins then and like the DNA, they will then these proteins in in great numbers will be put together in the same exact order to 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 form DNA RNA. So this this irreducible uh, complexity of just that structure alone is mind blowing, and you you look at it and you go, this didn't happen by accident. You know, this is like saying a a, a hurricane went across the empty field, and in its wake it left a fully assembled 747, fully <laughs> functional. I mean, it, it's more probable that that would happen when you start looking at the intricacies. Absolutely. That's, and so I got to you know, that, and I opened my mouth to one of my professors, and I said, uh, can you name one mutation or evolutionary process that adds information to DNA? <laughs> and, of course, that, that got me in real trouble. Oh, yeah. Because it's exactly the opposite of what you see. The whole premise of evolution is going from the simple organism to the more complex. Right. So you shoot that down, they're done. And so many struggles throughout my life go on as I'm being tested and I'm, it's amazing how the word of God would, would help me through because I, I came to realize as I was confronted, uh, well, let's face it, wicked people that if I responded in kind, okay. And the reason that God tells us not to do that is because we become like them. We, we then are, are compromising and we're going to become and act more and more like them. Right. And I realize that when, you know, in Moses it says an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, that, that mm. in context is not what it means. What, what Moses was saying is that the punishment must fit the crime, not literally an eye for an eye and a tooth for tooth, because it has to fit with God's commandment of vengeance is mine, I will repay. People not to not to react, and so I can fast forward now to I, when Walt and I met, and you know he he turned around. I remember the day, and he said, "Dave, I'm a Christian." I said, over my shoulder and looked right at him and said, "Well, so am I." And uh, we we started talking from from that point on, and a, a lot of growth has happened, uh, which is. Why I think the Lord does it is is to get our attention and get us looking and examining things so that we can grow in our knowledge and understanding. Anyway, I don't know what what more you want to say. I mean, that answer. Well, yeah, I I think you're absolutely right. I think that that's one of the caveats that we would like to drive home is that like the Bereans, you know, they searched these things to make sure they were the they they were true. In other words, um, you know, 
truth is truth whether you believe it or not. It's still there. And, you know, like you've pointed out, the Word of God is that regulated principle, that foundation for truth. And uh, I appreciate you sharing that with, with us. And I can relate on so many levels. I I, I can understand getting into conflict with professors. <laughs> I can certainly understand that. And the mind control. Yeah, I remember the statement. Know, there's absolutely no absolutes. Yeah. It's one. just, yeah, it, it just. That makes your head. And like you said, the, the moment you take the concrete position, uh, again, you're you're going to be like you. People are the high priest of people's destiny. At least they think they are. And um, I appreciate you sharing that. I'm going to go back now to Chris. And I, Chris, oh, wow. what I'd like, I'd like, Chris, uh, um, can you hear me okay? Roger. <laughs> okay. Um, I wanted to just kind of get your thoughts after going through, you know, after we've heard uh, Dave and Kevin and, and John and Walt, uh, it's kind of rendition of their stories, you know, of, of what has happened. Um, does anything else come to your mind regarding uh, what kind of signaled you to the truth? I know you've shared before the two people that came into your life that started sharing God's sovereignty with you. Why don't you, why don't you cover that for people that haven't heard that, that part of your your story? Well, I guess when I was about 36 or so, working away, I guess that we were in the middle of a recession. God blessed me with a great union job that I, you know, that I was good at. And I loved it. And I miss it. But anyway, God put two people in my life. And one said, uh, one I was in a cabinet finishing class with. And he brought up, uh, did Jesus die for everybody? And I said, sure, Jesus loves everybody, and uh, you know, and and that was all on the on the basis of the mindset that that, and this is the Armenian basis. Sure, sure. That uh, that that yes, it got, Jesus died for everybody. Now a, a straw man has to be developed, but it's conditional on whether you accept Jesus, and this is all going away and outside the parameter of God's Word. But they've manufactured this whole straw man consistent with with this Jesus died for everyone, you know? So my my friend uh, Leonard told, uh, mentioned this to me and turned me on to family radio. I started listening to family radio back with Harold Camping. Back then right, he was fairly right. sound. It's, I think it, you know, his only detraction at that point in time was that he was, you know, uh, gearing us up for some kind of time and hour of Christ's second advent. But other than that, he was sound. No, he he, he did. He came from a very reformed perspective when he when he was first starting. Yes, he did. That's correct. Anyway, uh, uh, I started to study and search this out, and realize that well, God has an elect, and I don't know if I'm one of them, but I sure want to be. And uh, another friend 
at the same time, and this is when I was going through uh, getting ready to do a, a, a disc surgery in my neck, and I, 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 I submitted to it at about just when I about turned 40. Anyway, uh, uh, my other friend, we, we'd all meet at his house. He had a big family, and we'd have Bible studies together, and he posed pretty much the same questions, you know. Uh, the difference between us is that we have we we care and understand God's given us understanding that Jesus doesn't didn't die for everybody and God doesn't love everybody, and this really flies in most people's faces, most so-called Christians. But the Christian of today that believes this nonsense that we all held to, I think at one Arminian juncture in our lives, we believe that. We can't believe without that straw man, but we never go past that. And that's consistent with today's churches that just follow the preacher. You don't need to read the book. You just listen to what he says, uh, do what he does, and, and it's all this nonsense, you know. And, and then the, all of the traditions built up around that nonsense adds to more and creates even more nonsense. But anyway, that, that's how the good Lord, you asked me how the, the good Lord used yeah, two special yeah. people in my life to uh, uh, help help me, help show me that God is sovereign and that he has his elect. And I'm, I'm uh, eternally grateful for God putting those people in my life and, and explaining the difference and putting me on a whole different tack in regard to Christianity. Absolutely. And what the reality really is, apart from the, the nonsense of of what ninety nine percent of of of, of so called Christian churches today uh, uh, purport. Well, Chris, you bring up a really key point because you know one of the one of the biggest lies that I've had to cope with, as well as everyone else on this on this call is this aspect of what the atonement does or doesn't do, okay? Most people, like you had been exposed to, I had been exposed to, all Roman Catholics are exposed to, is that, you know, it's conditional. It's based on, you know, the atonement can only be effective if we do something, okay? But that's in contradistinction to what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that Christ is the one who came and finished the work that his father sent him to do. And he didn't just make it possible for uh, someone to be saved. He he actually effectively completed it when he – and I I've talked about this before. I was never taught substitutionary atonement and the fact that he was my sin bearer and uh, now I'm going to go back to Walt now Walt you know you shared with me I just wanted to add this one thing Jesus most assuredly uh, came and completed the mission of saving his people and reconciling them back to the Father that's right that's exactly right I have a question um, to, to anybody. Uh, when Jesus said it is finished on the cross, 
I understand that the, the Greek word is italistai or something like that. That yeah. means means literally paid in full. Paid, <laughs> yes. in, paid in full. Why did the translators say it is finished when it says paid in full? Does anyone know that or? Well, I think I think from my understanding, um, if you go back to Hebrews where it talks about that the the veil of the temple was rent in twain from the top to the bottom, mm-hmm. and that you know this is interesting because redemption is uh, complete, but yet we still have the benefits of it in our daily life. Okay, in other words, when he says that he makes intercession for us with groanings mm-hmm. which cannot be uttered. Um, so, yes, in other words, he paid the price. and Well, he was our sin bearer. He took our sins upon himself. Mm-hmm. But he is yet our mediator today. You yeah. know, when I find myself uh, succumbing to sin, uh, I find that I'm brought to a point of repentance and I go to my mediator. I don't go to a priest. Right, right. And even though I'm not fully answering your question, um, you know, paid in full is uh, it is finished. I I I can see uh, that those are pretty pretty much synonymous ideas. In other words, uh, it's. Uh, there's a there's a song you know we sing we used to sing and and you everybody's heard it Jesus paid it all you know yeah right. and so that finished it's a completed it's a completed task right. uh, like um, now I want to go back to Walt here Walt uh, I remember you shared um, with us before that when you were out in the truck and you were listening to all those Bible tapes and stuff, how that when someone asked, would ask you, you know, when, whenever you, you know, <laughs> something about your spiritual state, you would say, well, I believe, you know, I'm a, I believe in election. Can you kind of share that again and kind of the, what brought that to your uh, what that brought to that brought to your mind as you 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 started listening to all of the scriptures. Well, you know, I I had twelve tapes, uh, cassette tapes, you know, of the of the of the New Testament, and every twelve days I'd go through the Bible, and I was by myself. Of course, that's real easy to do when you're, you know, you drive ten, twelve hours a day. Yeah. Yeah. And and so you know if you listen, I mean if if you're listening, it's just <laughs> you and I, just you and in in the in the, the radio or just one on one, you know election is all the way through, called and chosen, and, you know, and uh, and then I notice I, I used to I used to ba- I was bashful about talking about it because any time that I'd ever I said people had asked me well what day do you know were you born again <laughs> you know and i i i'd say well i've been a i i i said i believe in election in a and, and like kevin i was told that i was a calvinist <laughs> and i didn't i didn't even know what a calvinist was <laughs> you, know, you know so so i i so i just stay i just stayed away from the subject 
Uh huh. In, in other words, I, I every time I, I mean, I, I remember when I was out in the truck, I was up, up in Michigan, out in the middle of Michigan, someplace, and I remember pulling off on a ramp, and the church was across the across the freeway, and I walked across the overpass and went to church several times. I just happened to go by there, you know, and you know. You know, I remember one time they they handed me a a whole folder full of you know, pamphlets, you know, and you know it's Arminian to the core. <laughs> and uh, I like uh, I I like uh, uh, John. I I was just like John. I hadn't, you know, I didn't I didn't know about Arminianism, you know. But when you you know, and it was Larry. It was when we when we we got into Michael DeSemblin's book on the on the you know on the foundations. Did I did I understand the word Arminian? And then and then when you look at the seventieth week, and then you see the Schofield Bible, and then you look at John Wesley, and you can go back. The other day, Dave and I were talking, and you can go back to George Whitfield. You know. And George Whitfield was an Armenian also. You know? and, really? Are you sure yeah. about that? Well, he split with John Wesley over the issue of predestination and election. He started with Wesley in England when they started the Methodist Church. And Whitfield yeah, split. He was, yeah, Whitfield was part of the Holy Club with John and Charles. Right. And, and he right. did... George Whitfield took uh, John Wesley to task over his teachings, but you know there has been an interesting. There's been a lot of interesting dialogue over the fact that Whitfield uh, also believed in the free offer of the gospel. Now I don't want to get into deep theological <laughs> dialogue tonight, but. Um, See, the thing of it is, when you talk about the free offer of the gospel, um, that connotation gives a person the thought uh-huh. that, that, in other words, it's an offer. It's not something that's already been paid for in full. Okay, in other words, there's something you have to do. You have to accept the offer or it's not good. But but a dead person can't accept anything. If a person's spiritually dead, they can't do anything. So the so so here's the thing. If a person free offer the gospel, they actually believe that their acceptance and their belief is the condition for it coming into fruition. And that's what I think a lot of people are saying about George Whitfield. In other words, uh, see, Charles Spurgeon believed in the free offer of the gospel. Um, and that, that you know, when, when we hear the scripture that says, all John six thirty seven, all that the Father hath given me will come to me. Okay, in other words, spiritual life precedes acceptance and belief and faith. It precedes that. Right, right, right. It's not it's not it's not simultaneous. In other words, we have to have life before we can do anything. And so that's I think what uh 
uh, what we're talking about here. But no, you're right. George Whitfield believed in election. Now, I will say this. A lot of people that are in the Reformed camp, um, they call themselves Calvinists, uh, will tell you they believe in the doctrine of election and predestination and... Um, but but at the same time they will they will say they they believe in the free offer of the gospel and they believe in common grace. And so those are some areas you y'all if you haven't studied that you might want to go through and do a little bit more in depth study on that. That's really what separates out um, you know what I believe from people who call themselves reformed or Calvinist. Uh, I don't believe that there are any conditions, okay, on Christ. He said, it is not of works lest any man any man should boast. It's not of him that willeth, nor of him that runneth, but God that showeth mercy. There's not one thing we can do to merit God's salvation. It's a free gift. And... Uh, Okay, I'm going to now Kevin, I'm going to go uh I want you to continue a little bit about um what you were talking about there about George Fitfield. Give your thoughts and also uh, Kevin, uh, I want you to also um uh, explain a little bit more about um you know, when you when you started discovering uh, that the Bible was something that you really started just, I mean, you start consuming the Bible, and that caused, that must have caused some friction with your with your oh, marital situation. Can, can you touch on that a little bit? Well, yeah, yeah, it, it really did, uh, because my wife, uh, even though she was raised in London, England, she wasn't a practicing Muslim, but her father was. Wow. But it was in her, her it was in her consciousness that she was not a Christian and would never be one. Oh. And so, uh, as long as religion was not an issue with us, we got along okay. But oh. when I brought brought religion into the family, she would tell me that that if I wanted to be a Christian, that was fine, but I was to leave her and the children out of it. Oh. And I said it. I said it doesn't work that way. And now, interestingly, at that time when I was converted, I had a daughter. That was my child, uh, my blood, in other words, uh, the boy being hers. And and she always let me know that that she would raise him and that it was her boy. And so, but but when the daughter was born, I was a Christian, and so and I determined that the girl would not be raised as the boy was, with complete license to do as he pleased and. Uh, Right. So, so it was warfare right from the very beginning. Because I, uh, mm. I even took her to church. I remember with me on a Sunday morning, and we had a baby dedication service. You know, where they lift the babies up and they offer them to right, the Lord. Right. And, right. And my wife came to the church and and took my daughter out of the church and brought her home. And and oh, I wow. knew I I knew this was going to be really serious. And uh, so I prayed about it, and for like four years, it got worse and worse and worse, and I got stronger and stronger, and uh, I wasn't going to yield to her, and finally she just uh, obtained a divorce, and uh, just I got my orders from the judge to leave the home, and yeah. the, business, the business became hers, and I didn't contest anything, and, and wow. I left. 
Um, my first thought was to take my daughter with me or kidnap her. <laughs> but but <laughs> the Lord showed me, he said, what I have for you to do and where I have for you to go and the people I have you to be with, you can't have her with you. And so I left her with her mother. And uh, it's it's amazing. It's, uh, we, we talk once in a while. We have our emails we share once in a while. But uh, and other than that, she really believes I abandoned her. And and I did. Wow. I really did. I left her. Well, she's the one that took the legal action, though. And uh, oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. yeah. And so you know, and the, and the the point yeah. is, is that um, had she not done that, you would, you know, you would have yes, stuck yes. with her. And I, I was that, still going to stay. Yeah. Exactly. Interesting. It's really quite an interesting story. I've heard a lot of similar kind of stories over my lifetime of people who Uh have become Christians and it it, it has caused such a great spiritual warfare that the the unbelieving partner uh, often will file, you know, on the other party and so on because they say it's irreconcilable differences and that kind of thing. So, yeah. You know, right, right. the great thing, the good news about this is that the good Lord has sustained you through all of this, you know. Oh, it's it's wonderful, yeah, because I hit the streets, I had nothing, and I was the happiest I ever was in my life because it was Isn't all... That something? Yeah, it, I just said to the Lord, where are we going? What are we going to do now? And, <laughs> and, I, and, I, and I, I was ready to go anywhere, and so I ended up walking to Long Beach from L.A., and it took wow. me about 30, 30 days, and I looked looked at different communities and prayed along the way and talked with people, carrying my Bible and being a witness. Uh, yeah, it, was, it was an amazing time. It really was. Wow, that's quite a story. That's quite yeah, a story. Yeah. In fact, after probably uh, three or four years after that, I met a woman who I might have married right after high school and not chased someone to the Middle East. She was saved in the streets of Long Beach, and uh, I felt... I believe she had the same happening to her as happened to me, and so we got married. And then her youngest son came to live with us, and he he did real well. And he's so you know we just go on with our life, going by faith and trusting that the Lord is in whatever we do, and and that's all we can do. We can't know. Well, you know, really. that's the the reality of it is that you know when we look at our lives. Uh, we we have to be honest and say, you know, um, there have been many disappointments. There's been many things that have happened in our lives that, you know, we wouldn't have chosen. You know, uh, I, I, I often kid, not you know, you know, kind of joke around with people. I love I love I love my mother and my father. I love them, but I remember when I was in Unity. Uh, they taught, you know, everybody that, that they chose their own parents. And I used to get around with people. I said, well, I sure didn't choose mine. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but, you know, that that's the, the thing of it is, like you said, Kevin, is that the good Lord brings us to a resignation mm-hmm. of our lives. And he shows us that the, he has a purpose in everything that, that he brings us through. You know, yeah. whatever it is. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it is. Now, I'm going to go back to um, hey, John. John, Yes, Larry. go ahead. Yes, go ahead, Dave. Uh, just, we're at a little break here. Someone asked, uh, 
why Christ said it is finished on the cross. Yes. And in, in, in Scripture, I found the verse I was looking for that I think will explain it for everybody. It's in John 17, and uh, 3 through 6, and it says, And this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus mm. Christ, whom thou hast sent. I have glorified thee on the earth. I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. Mm. And now, O Father, glorify thou me with thy own self, with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. Oh, that's I have right. manifested thy name unto all men, which, gavest, which thou gavest me out of the world. Thine they were, and thou gavest to me, and they have kept thy word. So when he, he's finished the work there of glorifying God on earth, which is why that's he said good. it is finished. He was given, that work was finished. That's right, right. That's yeah, very good. What I was bringing up was why the translators chose to use the expression, it's finished, when the Greek explains what it is that is finished. It's paid in full. Well, there's two kinds of translations. I have an answer okay. to that, too. There's two kinds of translations. There's the okay. formal translation, which is a word for word. And that would be the King James because it formed our language. They would take the word and they would translate it directly, and then they had to develop our language to make it cognitive. Uh-huh. And so that's a formal translation. All the other translations that don't have finished, say paid in full or whatever it said, is a, what's called a dynamic translation, I which see. means okay. whoever the translator is, they are mm-hmm. interpreting it. It's actually an interpretation where they write down what they think it means. So okay. there's a, a great deal of difference between a formal okay. and a dynamic translation. Well, I see what you mean. Okay. Well, we certainly it's really know interesting, what it means. though, that you think about the contrast between um, it is finished and paid in full. I, I, I'm glad you brought that up, Kevin, because immediately, you know, the 53rd chapter of Isaiah came to my mind, you know, as as the actual outworking of this uh, paid in full, finished, uh, complete atonement that we're talking about. You know, he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. Yeah. You know, and so... Now, uh, I want to, if I could, because I like to keep everybody involved here. John, I want to go back to you in Toronto. uh, And what I'd like for you to do is uh, kind of bring us up to speed uh, right now. How you you mentioned you only know like one other Christian. Recently, a person passed away that was an older elderly gentleman that died. And so on, and that brings up a really good question. You know, um, it's really tough. I like now. Some people may not like it, but I kind of, I think it. I think it shows a description of what we're talking about. When Chris uh, Christopher says, you know, I it's hard for me to get into brick and mortar. Okay, uh, there's so many scriptures that talk about that. 
we are, you know, Christ is not interested in a building made with hands. You know, he described himself as the temple that he would raise in three days and three nights. And we are told in Revelation that there's not going to be any temple in heaven, that Christ is the light thereof, and so on. Uh, Now, we've got a group of eight to nine people here on this call, and we all are of like faith, trust that Christ is our, our Savior, our Advocate, our Mediator, our Redeemer and that he's rose again, and that we someday will be with him. What does that do for us in the future? I I want to just say this, and I shared this with Christopher earlier. A passage has been on my mind quite a bit in Matthew 24, 9, and I posted it on Facebook, and of course I think the day will come when I will no longer be able to be on Facebook because I think it's getting that ridiculously... Uh, bad as far as the surveillance and everything that's going on. Uh, I think, you know, but and I think it's judicious to realize that. But in Matthew twenty-four nine, uh, again, it's just one particular verse there. But I want to read it, and I want would like to get everybody's uh, thought about it. Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted, and shall kill you, and ye shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. Uh, I posted that, and uh, Brother Michael responded. Brother Michael Smith responded on Facebook and said, "Brother, it will happen." Um, and so I'm gonna, um, John, kind of your turn yes, here. How do you see this, um, the church, uh, as we talk about the church? Everybody has a definition, a little definition, different definition of the church. Um, how do you see that playing itself out in, in this culture that has become so uh, absolutely perverted? Um, you mean like coming out of the Catholic Church? Uh, right, just like in that? general. I mean, just you're living in Canada. You know, just fast forward, look at your life right now and all of the people that you associate with on a daily basis. And you mentioned of all those people, you maybe know one Christian, true Christian, true Bible believer. Um, yeah. how, how do you see um, this playing itself out? You know, In other words, what, what do you see in the future for Christ, true Christians? Uh, are they going to be totally underground? Are they going to be... Uh, uh, are they going to be persecuted, do you think? Um, I think our numbers are way too small to make any type of difference to uh, to the powers that be. I mean, we're not trying to overthrow anybody. I mean, it's just, uh, you know, a bunch of uh, friends getting together to, uh, to to read the Word of God and to talk about history and how history parallels the Bible. Um, I don't see that we're any threat to anybody. I mean... Uh, I think Facebook will continue. I think the internet will continue. I mean, if if somebody's monitoring somebody else, they don't want you to know. They're going to keep. Uh, if if they take Facebook away from you, if they take the internet away from you, they're not going to be able to monitor you through those channels. They're just cutting off two channels of monetization. I think uh-huh. uh, the internet and Facebook will continue because the uh, monitor. Uh, they want to know as much about you as they can. You know, even the Google searches and all that stuff. 
uh, why not? Like the more channels that they have to monitor you, the the better it is, you know, <laughs> for them. And uh, yeah. you have access to your friends. You know, you can talk to your group of uh, a dozen friends or so. Uh, in terms of uh, what I notice, in terms of uh, you know, I, I don't I don't think we're in any peril. At least on this side of the Atlantic, I don't think we're in any peril. Uh, what I do notice when I drive uh, through the streets of uh, Toronto is that I see people coming out of Catholic churches, but when I drive by um, Protestant churches, uh, they're not, pro- you know, a lot of them aren't Protestant churches anymore. They get turned into lofts or condominiums, you know. That's mm. one thing that I've noticed. Uh, yeah, it's interesting. It's, uh, yeah, it's sad to see. I mean, uh, Maybe it happens for a reason. I mean, if the if the Protestants if the Protestants really uh, aren't Protestants anymore and they're Catholics without knowing it, maybe it's for the best that that brick and mortar uh, fades away. Um, you know, I've always heard that the church age the church age would be t- about two thousand years from Christ. So maybe it's about time that the brick and mortar shuts down. <laughs> but uh, it's, well, it's very hard. I mean. Well, you're either a Catholic or a practicing Catholic. I mean, uh, I don't think most people will gravitate towards the KJV or Protestantism that are Catholic in the first place. They don't even know about things like dispensationalism or anything like that. I mean, they don't even read the Bible for themselves, and they're not encouraged to read the Bible for themselves. They're told that uh, only the priest is qualified to interpret the Bible because he uh, has gone to seminary for uh, many years and he's qualified and he can interpret it for you. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you, like, um, I was talking to a sweet Italian lady whom I love very much, and uh, and she's Catholic, and um, I told her, you know, you have a Bible. Uh, do you read it? You know, uh, do you find out about Jesus, about God? She says, I have a Bible, but I don't read it because um, my priest is the one that's qualified to read it. So he uh, he's the one that uh, <clears throat> and he can interpret it for me. And uh, there's one more benefit to it. You know, you can save your eyes as well. You don't have to, you know, wear out your eyes reading it. So <laughs> that's you know that much, is you know, that uh, is I've heard that I've heard that expressed from many Roman Catholics. In fact, my <clears throat> excuse me, my parents used to uh, babysit for. Um, some doctors, uh, a doctor, um, uh, a husband, a wife, doctor team. They were both doctors, and they were both Roman Catholics. And uh, any time my father would bring up anything regarding faith, they said, "Well, we don't, we we can't really discuss that because our, you know, our priest has the final say in these things, and he's the expert on it." And and see, this is exactly what went on. During the Dark Ages, people uh, the the the, um, the Bibles were chained to the altars. Now I'm going to go over to Dave Baxter. Dave, what, what's your take on this? As far as you know, uh, you know, just speaking of the United States and North America, and then you know, globally, uh, how do you see uh, the Church of Jesus Christ right now, and what do you see in the future? Uh, as things kind of, um, you know, we see more and more of the the um, the Talmud and the Kabbalic influence in our society. Uh, I'm not sure specifically what I should address. As far that's one thing that I saw uh, through my childhood 
we were a nation that was based, uh, our learning, the, the Bible was the foundation of our learning in our school. Yeah, yeah. And uh, in 1958, under the National Defense Education Act by Eisenhower, they come out and they came out with that legislation and made our schools federal through the uh-huh. dollar. Uh-huh. Right. And that's when the transition started and they started pushing uh, cabalic science and imaginary mathematics is what I call it. Theoretical right. math. Right. And Dave, that, you know, another, trans- thing I, another question I had for you, Dave, was uh-huh. that you know, because I know that you have really, you really looked through the prodigals of Learned Elders of Zion and and looked at what their aims and their goals are uh, and how they're going to accomplish it. Um, yeah, I, I think what are there twenty four prodigals? I think that's right. Yeah, uh, And I was looking and I thought I got to twenty three and I thought, wow, this is already pretty much accomplished. I mean. Um, do you see, um, for lack of a better word, I'll use the word, and, um, we know that this has been going on, you know, since time immemorial, I mean, since the fall, but, uh, you know, do you see, um, that these evil, um, uh, Kabbalist and Talmudist uh, have effectively been accomplishing their objectives. You mentioned the protocols. Protocol 14 uh, deals with this explicitly. I'll read the very first part. Uh, yeah. When we come into our kingdom, it will be undesirable for us that there should exist any other religion than ours of the one God with whom our destiny is bound up by our position as the chosen people and through whom our same destiny is united with the destinies of the world. We must therefore sweep away sweep away all other forms of belief. Now, when you have the knowledge that who they really worship is Satan, Okay, and that, that if you look into the teachings of the yeshivas and the Talmud, it is without question. It's even readily apparent in the occultic symbol that they've chosen for their nation, uh, which they call the Star of David, which is the union of evil and good, essentially. This is what I see happening. I mean, you, you have scripture. The, the light that they said in our, in our society, where where they came in and they in, in their invasion, is and through the Masons predominantly is the idea of making this world a better place to live. Uh, that is in defiance of God's will, because God says that the opposite about the last days. That in fact, if He doesn't shorten the last days, there will be no flesh saved. So He has to shorten it. It gets so bad. And so this then agrees with Scripture, this statement right out of Protocol 14. We must therefore sweep away all other forms of belief. And there will only be their religion of their one God, who is Satan. And that is the only religion that will be tolerated. 
Uh, do you want me to go on, or is no? And you know, you, other statements I'm not, well, I think the thing that that's amazing about it is that as we've talked tonight, now we've been going about an hour and forty-five minutes, and I'm like Ed. I think it's good to have a disciplined time structure. However, uh, because of the number of guests that we've had opening up and being so uh, transparent, I want to thank thank everyone for their uh, transparency and in, in sharing because it's been a, a very beneficial. But I think that as this is this is sort of my take on on what I see. Um, you know, I've been involved with Sermon Audio for nine years, and over those nine years. Um, there has been 175,000 people download our messages, okay, and there's been over uh, a half a million people that have, you know, gone to uh, sermon our our website on Sermon Audio. And the reason I'm bringing this up is that out of those 175,000 people, I can count on one hand the number of people that still uh, communicate with me. Um, Why is that? Uh, Primarily because our message is coming against organized religion. Our message is not about joining a church. Our message is not about uh, sacramentalism or works. It's not about... uh, church discipline, bringing people under the law. Um, It's not about Judeo-Christianity as an oxymoron. It's not about, you know, closing our eyes to uh, the Messiah influence. It's about opening our eyes to it. I mean, I recently was told by a southern... uh, a former Southern Baptist minister that in his church, which was about 200 people, that probably 30% of them were Masons. Okay. The re- so I'm going to kind of bring this call to a close. But the thing that I see is we've exposed these lies that we've talked about tonight, the lies of evolution, the lies of Arminianism and Roman Catholicism, a number of people have come out of Roman Catholicism on this call, the lies of works theology, the lies of uh, uh, tolerance, and the the lies, the the false lies of universal atonement and conditional salvation. All of these lies constitute Luciferian doctrine the influence of Luciferian doctrine upon the cemeteries, the seminaries. And what has come out of that is now we have what Ed Henry calls uh, covens. These brick-and-mortar churches are nothing more than satanic Luciferian covens because they are denying the Bible. Now, what I'm going to do is I want to give everybody a chance to take one minute uh, and kind of 
bring to you, say anything you want to say to bring closure to this program. And I'm going to end the call because it gets to be rather lengthy on sermon audio for people to go on. It's if it gets over an hour and you know we're up to an hour and 48 minutes now. I'm going to go back to where we started uh, in this order. We're going to ask Chris to give his final thoughts, and then I'm going to ask Walt, and then Kevin, and then John, and then Dave to kind of close the program. Out. And of course, Andrew is on the chat room, so he can't. He can't. Uh, um, you know, he he's not. He didn't call in, but we we do welcome Andrew. And also, have Louise and Lisa had to leave the call. Now I don't know who guest is, but we welcome you, guest seven as well. So go ahead, Chris. <clears throat> well, one brother was talking about protocol number fourteen. Uh, if you read a little farther down, it says, we shall forbid Christ. They're Christ-haters. They hate our Savior. So shall we esteem them? I think not. Same time, we will not admit to emphasize the historical mistakes of the Goy government. Goyim government. That's us. We're cattle in their eyes. They will pretend to be our friends or use us for their ultimate goal. You know they uh, they have an agenda, and we're and we are unwittingly subject to it, except for the few of us that God has given us a little bit of an insight to this whole thing. You know, you can call me a conspiracy, whatever. I don't care. I know this is all proven out, and they are rapidly. It's like the ten flanks of communism has all all been achieved, except for property rights, and that's the last. That's the last pawn they need to topple over. But the, but these, uh, these Zionists have a much bigger agenda, and they're using government. And this really just it just bothers me. Everything is just is working so well with Satan's Satan's plan. You know, even though we know our our Savior, our dear God, in the end wins out. But Brothers, we will live through this, depending again upon our age and our tolerance and so forth. But they do have big plans for us, and unbeknownst to most of us, uh, it's it's not going to be rosy. I just had to bring that to light. That's been on my mind. Again, I had this years ago, and I read it, and and and. Over the years, and, and Walter kindly sent this to me, amongst others. You know, you most of you probably have this now, and uh, it just is just in our face. It's, I think, secondary to this is that these are our earthly enemies, our satanic rivals. You know, and you also have the 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 Jesuits that are secondary to this. If you if you just Google uh, the creed of the Jesuits and what they think of Protestants and how they intend to deal with us, so now we have two factions that really want us eliminated. And I've heard it said uh, lately that uh, it's coming a time when Protestantism will will just acquiesce to uh, to the Romish Church. Well, and they already, yeah, they already have. They're, you know, that's what um, 
that's what uh, Copeland said, you know, the protestant protestant protesting is over. It's all over with. Yeah, and well, that's we, what we, the ecumenical yeah. that's what the ecumenical movement, you know, is all about and to bring all of that together. Chris, I want to thank you for sharing with us tonight. Now, I'm going to try to keep this moving. Uh, Walt, I want you to give your final thoughts on this. And uh, um, and I did have a request, and I think now is a good time to do it, Christopher. Um, you, had, you said that Walt had been on your heart, and you wanted to uh, just have a brief moment of prayer for Walt as his upcoming... Um, procedure, so I'm going to turn that part over to Christopher. Yes, brothers, I'd like, we we all love our our elder brother, Walter Sickle, and Whoa, what happened? I think we lost, I think we inadvertently lost um, Chris and I don't know, you know, this is what technology does, and so he'll, I'm sure he'll call back in. When he comes back in, I'll bring him back Walt, on. Can you bring him in? I think, I think he's going to probably... Call, right? he... No, no, he, he'll call back in, and, and I'll bring him back in. He's calling back in now. Here we go. Okay. Um, hold on one second. Yeah, Chris, are you, whoops. Are you there? Uh, yeah, Chris, yeah, we Sandy, lost you there. Go ahead. Go Sandy ahead and continue. And doesn't like this, but uh, yeah. I, just, I would just like to offer up our brother, Walter, that may, we, I'd like to pray that, and I believe we'd all be in agreement to this, that our, our, that our dear Lord would, for whatever reason God has for, for Walt to continue, because we would miss him, but he's going to go through this rotor-rooter of his of his vascular system, and we would pray to our to the great physician Jesus, our Savior, to guide the hands. This is a a, medi, a mediatorial uh, approach to his condition. It's not an immediate healing, but God has chosen that Walter will go through this 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 surgery and he'll be bruised in his groin and he'll suffer from this, but Lord willing, this will clean him out. And I would just like to get everybody's agreement, you know, and I'd offer this Lord God, uh, creator of the universe, please take care of our brother Walter in this condition and situation and bring him through if it be your will. And I just Amen. like, just, Amen. just pray that. In Jesus' yeah, you name. Ne- Amen. You can never be an heir when you pray according to his will. We know that. So thank you, thank you Christopher. Thank you, Christopher, for that. Now, uh, I'm going to go on to Walt. And, uh, Walt, do you have any final comments uh, uh, tonight on the the program? Maybe Walt. Can you hear you still? Can you hear yeah, me, Larry? I can hear you. Yeah, I can okay. hear you. Uh, oh, <clears throat> well, I I, I I appreciate the the thought. I mean, the and the concern. 
because uh, Walt can't have a pity party. I've uh, God has been so good. I've had people call me and stuff, and it's um, it's really been a blessing and humbling. But I I do want to say I do do want to say something, um, Kevin. Uh, when I mentioned um, when I mentioned uh, uh, Whit, Whit, Whitlip, Whitfield, I Whitfield. I, I, I think what was say it again? Whit, Whitfield, George Whitfield, right? Uh, George Whitfield. Yeah, listen, if anybody hasn't listened to some of his sermons, I mean, I highly recommend it. And I, um, uh, the way I stated it, I, I was, you know, I was, it was poorly stated. And, um, and uh, you know, because in other words, I, one of the things I was trying to relate is, is, is how this thing went downhill to where we are in, in, in the, in the, in the date we are today. So, so uh, you, you know, that, don't yeah. You that's know. no, and I and and, and we yeah. we do know yeah. that we do know that George Whitfield even wrote a letter, um, you know, to John Wesley, um, contesting what he was right. teaching his rank Arminian. So yeah, that's that is really true. Right. And Walt, yeah, our prayers are with you as you go in Wednesday and. Uh, uh, our thoughts and prayers will be with you on that day as well. Yeah. And um, well, my my uh, my conclusion to this this is is where kind of kind of what you know where we are today. You know, from the time of Whit Whitfield to the time where we are today. I mean, we are in a time of uh, of, a, of of apostasy that's it's overwhelming. I just like to 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 read a little. Uh, out of uh, Tex Mars books, just to quote a paragraph, the Holy, Serp- the Holy Serpent of the Jews, he says, uh, the Apostle Paul said that the Jews, now quote, this is the quote from Scripture, 1 Thessalonians 2.15, quote, kill the Lord Jesus and their own prophets and are contrary to all men. They, in other words, they, they killed the Lord Jesus and their own prophets, and are contrary to all men. Isn't it therefore insane of the Christian Zionists to exalt and praise the very ones, the psychopaths, the devil men, who not only kill the Savior, Jesus Christ, but also kill their own prophets? These deceived Christian Zionists are so full of demonic spirit that in defiance of the Bible's clear teaching, they actually lift up and praise the psychopath Jews and exalt them as God's chosen people. And there are so many examples how Satan will flip something. Yeah. And it, 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 yeah. It, I, I, you know, I, when I read this this morning, I got up, you know, at about four o'clock. When I read this here, you know, how they flipped it. Isn't it amazing how? Yeah. How, and now, you know, sometimes I also would like to say. You know, I like to use the word Zionist instead of Jews because uh, Zionist is, is a political movement that is it's undeniable. Joe Biden, you know, has already said that you don't have to be a Jew to be a Zionist. But anyway, yeah. that's my well, yeah. that's my. I just like to say Zionism is an ideology, whereas Judaism is a religion, but they've melded so so well. Yeah, that's well. a good point. And that's. That's yeah. exactly right. They've they've almost they've almost made it one and the same, a political religion. You know, 
And yeah, uh, so that's that's well said. What Christopher just said. That's that's they've melted it together, you know. And and we have men like Newt Gingrich, who you know, uh, who's uh, on the stage with John Hagee at his church of twenty thousand. And we got Ted Cruz, you know, Joe Biden, I mean, you know, you know, and our president and vice president, they're all Zionist. And it's a it's a time not to be say it with malice, but it's the time to realize that we, you know, to rest and realize that you can see the deception, you know, the strong delusion that's being put on the whole world, you know then we can understand where it says it in Revelations that the whole world will be, de- be deceived. And I, I've been saying that to myself for the last two, three years, but boy, now it's just, you know, the world is deceived, you know. Wow, that's uh, really something to think about. And by the way, I want guys to, Carol, I forgot to mention that um, we're really glad have Carol with us tonight as well. And uh, Carol, you've uh, you've been stalwart in your <laughs> uh, representing the Word of God. And uh, now I want to I want to um, to um, go back to Kevin for a minute. Kevin, do you have any final thoughts? as we kind of wind this down? Well, I'd like to thank our Lord for this format where we can have a free exchange of ideas without emotional outbursts and and argument. Oh, yeah. So it's a very wonderful time, wonderful time. I really thank the Lord for it. So that's, uh, I look forward to that. You know, I really agree with that. It's very unusual, you know, Scripture says that many will be offended, you know, and yes, yes. and uh, we are living at a time when a lot of people seem to be on edge, you know, their teeth are set on edge, and that's right. Something that's about right. the love of Christ that constrains us and that binds that's us hard. together. Yeah, Kevin, that's, that's a awesome. really wonderful point. Wonderful point. Um, well, we're back. We're back to. Uh, we're back to Toronto. We're back to John. John, do you have any final thoughts before we conclude? Yes, Larry. Um, I just wanted to say that I wanted to go back to the uh, topic of the show, which is lies. Um, lies yeah. have a couple of definitions. You know, it could be a direct lie, but uh, a hidden truth is also a lie. Like if truth is hidden, that is also a lie, not just direct lies. Um, in particular, um I would say that I got introduced to evolution in grade 11. I took a grade 9 course back then, and uh, but it was grade 11. There was one oh, chapter in the uh, biology uh, book about evolution. But what I realized after doing this list, uh, I was going through a list of all the lies, but you know, I'll just quickly say a couple. Uh, when I was going through this list, you know, I realized that I was introduced to evolution much earlier than I thought. I thought it was in grade 11, but it wasn't. I mean, when I was growing up, I was told I was a human being. Um, you know, when you go into the classroom, you're shown a globe. You're shown the the, uh-huh. the planets, you know, the solar system. You're shown the <laughs> right. uh, model of the human body, the human body. 
when I was in grade seven, there was a song back in 81 called Homo Sapien. I had no idea. I knew it was a man, but I didn't know really what a Homo Sapien was other than that. And another song to keep in mind that you probably should analyze is uh, from Barry Manilow. It's called I Write the Songs. It's from 1975. It's called I, I Write the Songs. And as we know, uh, if we analyze that song correctly, Lucifer is the uh, angel of music. Uh, that's pretty much what I wanted to say, other than to wish Walt all the best. Well, you know, yeah, thank you. And uh, you know what? You bring up Barry Manilow. Do you know that Barry Manilow just last week announced that he, over the last 20 years, has had a homosexual relationship and been in a homosexual marriage relationship. And most people didn't even know that he was homosexual. And yes, I remember that song. I write the songs. And, you know, you make a very good point about about this whole concept. You know, I remember a song back in the 60s. You all probably remember it. In the year 2525, you know, if man is still alive, they'll pick their son and their daughter, too, from the bottom of a long glass tube. Whoa, whoa. You know? And, yeah, it, it's been around for a long time. And um, I just want to thank everyone that's come on and shared uh, the lies that they have gone through and the truth. Uh, on that, and uh, it's been a good call. Larry, just, and, uh, just one more, yes, just one yes. more thing, Larry. Sorry, I'm noticing on the chat that you might not have ended the call successfully. Uh, no, I, I, I am not. I have not ended it yet. Okay. Um, okay, okay. I will. Second, you'll okay. hear. You'll hear it when. You'll hear it when it ends. Okay. So. Okay. Um, okay. But anyway, that's okay, John. Um, and Dave, I want to thank you for coming on. I want to thank everybody that's on the. You've all been very, very uh, instrumental in bringing things to the fore that, you know, iron sharpens iron and the Holy Spirit works through each one of his people. And there's no there's no Pope here. <laughs> okay, we're all one in Christ. So uh, with that, I'm going to end this call. I will uh, leave it open uh, for a while. Anyone that wants to continue to discuss, feel free on board. Hold on just just a minute. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.